Well, hi, everybody. I'm Bill Stevens, one of the pastors here, and it is, it's, it's so fun that, uh, that we get to celebrate Mother's Day together today, and uh, I love what Jackie said, that, that we wanted to give those flowers out to all of you, and, and all of you people that have any sort of an influence in other people's lives, all of you ladies that do that, that, uh, that it's... You've played a motherly role for somebody, and you deserve that. And so when you're sitting there holding that, you're going, gosh, do I deserve it? You just go, yeah, you do. You know, I, I have a, a great mom, but I've also had other ladies that have played that role also in my life, and I would want to thank them as well. And that's what today is, is an appreciation and thanks for all that you do. So we love doing that. Um, you guys, last night, oh, actually, before I say that, I, I'm gonna, let me just first say happy Mother's Day to my mom, okay? Um, my mom, we're, she's up in Spokane. She's, um, she's, she's 73 this year, and um, I love talking about my mom. I, I, uh, I'm proud of my mom. This, in fact, here's a picture of her. This is, this is, this is my mom this year. She's, she was up for Spokane Citizen Hall of Fame. I didn't know there was a Citizen Hall of Fame. But my mom was up for the Spokane Citizen Hall of Fame for her 35 years of working in horticultural consultant and master gardening and, and, uh, and writer for the newspaper and radio show that she's got. And uh, she, she's known pretty much throughout Spokane. In fact, I, I called up a florist uh, yesterday, a couple of days ago, and I said, hey, I need to get some flowers to my mom. And she goes, oh, yeah, okay, so what's her name? And I said, Phyllis Stevens. She goes, the Phyllis Stevens? And I said, yeah, the Phyllis Stevens. It's one of those very proud moments for me. And it's like, that's it's my mom, you know. So, so my, my twin brother and I were hanging out together this last week and we were talking about her and just going, you know, that is one thankless job to have raised her four boys. That is a thankless job. We so rarely thanked my mom for all the, the times that she, she, you guys, she used to stay up every, when we were in high school and we'd go out late at night, she used to stay up and sit at the top and rock in her rocking chair and listen to Neil Diamond and Gordon Lightfoot and John Denver until two in the morning until we'd come home. And, and she just, she didn't, she wasn't like, come up and let me smell your breath. She wasn't doing that. She was just rocking in her chair, waiting for her chicks to come home and that they would, knowing that they would be safe. That's what she wanted. She just wanted to know that we were safe. And then she would go into her, into her room and, 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 you know, she just knew we were home. She's been sacrificing like that her entire life for us. She was a music major and a cellist, and she decided to, um, to drop that, playing the cello, and she decided, I need to start learning sports, because all, all four of her boys were big sports guys, and so she had to start learning sports. And so she'd come to all of our baseball, basketball, and football games, and she'd take these random stats. She didn't know that it's about making baskets and assists and rebounds. She's like, Bill, you had 42 dribbles today in, in the game. And we're like, Mom, you don't keep track of dribbles. And she goes, yeah, but you dribbled it so good. And, and so we're like, all right, thank you. You know, so she, that's been her, her whole life. She has been so dedicated to us and our marriages and our kids and Happy Mother's Day, Mom. She watches me online, and she probably keeps stats of how many steps I take, and it has nothing to do with what I'm saying, but she'll keep the stats and tell me how good I did. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. I love you, and I am thankful for you. So there you go. So you got that on camera. Um, so you guys, so, so last night at about 9.30, I get a text, and it's from Jim, who has prepped his sermon 
all week long and has, is all ready to do this great sermon for us all today. And he texts me and he says, Bill, I'm throwing up. He says, I haven't thrown up in 10 years or like, I think it was like 15 years. And he was so disappointed that he broke his record of 15 years without throwing up. And then he threw up like eight more times. And, and so he says, I think I got, <laughs> this is classic Jim. He thinks he got food poisoning from the food he made for Karen for today. So <laughs> just remember that next time we do guerrilla warfare and we battle with each other. On who has a better cook between the two of us. The guy got food poisoning from the food that he made his wife for today. Um, or something else. I don't know. He might have the flu. But I, either way, he tells me last night at 10 o'clock that he's, 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 uh, he's not, he doesn't think he's going to be able to do this today. And I said, are you, now, are you telling me you want me to get ready to do this? He says, he says yeah, I don't think I can. So at 10 o'clock, I grabbed my stuff, I went into my room, and I just started working on it. And, and you know, my kids are there, and they're saying, Dad, just pull out one of your old ones. Do, hit, find one that was a home run and just do that one. <laughs> and man, was I tempted. Man, was I tempted. But I, I thought that, you know, my sermon on circumcision wouldn't work well today for the much. Uh, <laughs> that was so inappropriate. Um, so... <laughs> hey, give me a break, man. I've had like two hours of sleep. I'm wired right now. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. So, 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 yeah, so I started working on it, and, and I, you know, I don't know what's going to come out today. I don't know. Um, but here's what I do know. The Lord's at work, and the Lord's at work in this place, and the Holy Spirit is here, and he works in spite of me and in spite of, of what, I, what I can or can't um, make work out of this sermon, okay? So that's what I love about it. I love that God will be speaking to you guys individually. I love that he's got something in store for you um, if you pay attention to it today, okay? Um, it's, this, is the, this has been an interesting week for me. I, I, I flew up to Seattle uh, to spend some time with my, with my nephew and his fiance because they're getting married this summer and they want me to do their wedding. And so I wanted to get to know his fiance a little bit more. So I went up there and spent a little bit of time with them, just a really rich, great time with them. I get back on the plane, you guys, and, and I had one of the more nightmare plane experiences that I've had in all of my flights that I've done. I, I got on this plane. I sat near the back. I sat next to the window because I like sitting next to the window. And I, and I just thought, you know, I, I, I hope no one shows up and sits next to me so I have more room to spread out. And right as the plane is about to be, to, to be, the final boarding was happening, these dudes come walking in, and they come walking down, and two of them come and sit right next to me. And, and one of the guys, the guy that's right next to me, has the worst B.O. I have ever smelled on a plane. He was, it was so bad that, I mean, I am, I, I cannot over-exaggerate this. It was so bad that I am leaning up against the window, trying to breathe the air between the wall and my seat. I'm like, and then I come back up and I go back down there again. That's what I was doing. It was so, I turned on that little air thing and tried to make an air wall to try to keep it from coming my way. It was, it was that bad. So I'm struggling through that. I'm texting Jackie, the B.O., it's Seinfeld B.O., it's B.B.O., it's beyond B.O. You know, and so I'm, I'm texting Jackie this stuff and it's just killing me. 
So, so I'm, I'm leaning up this way, and, but then as I look back as the plane is going, and now we're on, in flight, he starts doing other things that are just gross. He starts, he's, this is inappropriate, but I'm going to say it here. It's Mother's Day, and everything's supposed to be fun. Get, he starts picking his nose, and he's, and he's going like this with it between our seats, between our, the, 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 chi, the tray. He's going like this, and I'm going, are you serious? Then he starts taking the rubber bands in his mouth because he's got braces and he starts fricking, flicking these rubber bands. I thought one was going to land on my tray. And then I know I shouldn't say this. And Janie, I know. I'm sorry. I'm not going to. I've got Janie Dantucci as my person that tells me not to do stuff. He starts popping a zit and I thought it was going to come right on me. Talk to me about it later. Tell me that was inappropriate. Tell me. Okay. It was disgusting. And you guys, I just got madder and madder. I was getting so frustrated with this guy. I'm sitting there going, this is not fair. This is my flight that I should just be able to relax. And this is happening next to me. And I just, I was, I, I was, I was cussing him out under my breath. I was like, are, I was saying things with my headphones, on, with my earbuds on. I was going, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I was saying that. He probably thinks I was crazy because I'm going, are you kidding me? Because <laughs> this, uh, Finally, we get off the plane and, and I'm, I'm frustrated. His buddy's behind him. I'm waiting for, I'm, I'm holding him back. And then I start walking out and I stopped and talked to the flight attendant for a while because I'm making these guys, I'm punishing them for his friend, their friend that's like that. I was put, I, I could not believe how hard and frustrating that flight was. And I get off the plane, I come here, and I tell the staff how terrible it was and how terrible this guy was. And then I got home that night and I started thinking about it. And I'm going, I got that upset over hygiene? I got that upset. I did not want to engage at him at all because... He didn't shower that day? I, I started going, what is wrong with me that, that, would be, that I would react that, that I would be that frustrated? I started thinking about Jesus and going, do you think during the, in the desert times that Jesus walked, do you think he walked up to someone and go, oh, bro, you didn't put your Old Spice on today, so I'm not going to engage with you in, in you. Man, I thought, what is... What's wrong with me in this? And what happens for me when I start thinking that way is it spirals. And I start going, what is wrong with me? And why can't I live up to the person that I want to be? And why can't I engage with somebody that I'm supposed to be engaging with? I mean, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to get engaged with him. Forget that I'm a pastor. I'm just a, I'm someone that loves Jesus. I should be engaged with, forget that I love Jesus. I'm just someone that should be a human being and be nice to somebody. But I wasn't. And I'm going, why do I do that? You start thinking, why do I, why do I do the things I do? Why do I keep not living up to what I want to live up to? Why do I keep messing up? Why do I keep taking it out on other people? And I start asking those questions myself. That's the spiral that I get into. And what happens, and this happens, I think, for many of us, we start to really become very keenly aware of our brokenness. We become keenly aware of our, of our, our shortcomings. We, can, we become very aware of where we 
are messing up. And when that happens to me, the last thing I think about is I am loved by God. All I think is I'm disappointing him. All I think is I'm disappointing the people around me. And you know, that, 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 well, that's a stretch from a guy that had B.O. on a plane, but that's the direction he eventually goes. And I find that I, I resonate far more with my brokenness than I do my belovedness, which I'm not even sure is a word, but we're, we're going to let that go today. I, I think I'm far more aware of my brokenness than I am aware that I am beloved by God. And I've shared that in here before. That's been a theme that I've shared in here before. But I started realizing this week is how much that actually affects my faith. How much that affects my stepping into what God is asking me to do. Stepping into the risk. Stepping into the challenge. Stepping into the new thing that could be happening in my life. Stepping into living this thing out for the Lord. It actually affects my faith. And, and I started thinking, why? Why would it affect my faith? And it's, it's, because, it's because it's not that I don't trust God enough to step in. I don't trust me. And when I don't trust me because of my brokenness, then I, I don't think I can step in to what the Lord is asking me to do and, to, and the way to live. We want to talk about that today because we're talking, we've been talking in this series called This Is Us about building our faith and building a faith that can last and building something we can stand on and stand firmly on. And if we can't trust ourselves enough to step into that, then how will we ever do that? How much is our awareness of our brokenness and how much are we, when we're living in that brokenness, how much is that affecting our ability to have a faith in the Lord? Father, I want to pray that they would help us and speak into this and that you would, you would um, take this rough draft and that you would do something powerful with it. I pray that your Holy Spirit would work today. I pray that you're, you, would, you would speak to each one of us. Give us a nugget of something that would help us to draw closer to you. Give that person in here that is not expecting anything today that came because somebody dragged them here. Give them something that will help them to draw closer to you and your love for us. I pray that you'd speak into, that, speak into it that way today. It's in your name we pray, amen. All right, so th this is us, this, this series. We have been talking through a chapter in a book of the Bible. In one chapter of one book, it's, called, in the, it's, it's the book of Hebrews in the New Testament. And in chapter 11 of Hebrews, it starts talking about faith. And it says, it's basically saying faith is an, is an assurance and a confidence in the person of Jesus. It's putting our weight down in the assurance and the confidence of Jesus and his promises for us. The assurance and the confidence in the unchanging character of God. And from that unchanging character of God, we can, we can actually believe in those promises and lean into those promises. So, so Hebrews 11.1 1 talks to us right off the bat about that confident assurance that we would have in the person of Jesus. And then what the writer of Hebrews does is in that chapter, he starts going through different people that put their confident assurance in the person of God, and they saw extraordinary things happening in their life. They saw God working in extraordinary ways through them. And so then we look at those people, and a lot of them are Hall of Fame people in Scripture. You see Moses, and you see Noah, and you see Abraham, and you see Isaac, and you see these people that... that 
if you've read any of the Bible, if you've read any of the Old Testament, you start to go, oh, I, I recognize those names because those are some of the big names in the Bible. Well, as you're reading through those, you get to verse 21, and he talks about this guy. He says, it was by faith that the dying Jacob blessed each of Joseph's sons as he bowed in prayer over his staff. You read that one around Jacob, and, 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 I, and, you, and you, if you've read through Genesis, you would go, Jacob? Jacob gets to be listed as one of those people? Jacob gets to be listed as a man of great faith? You just go, and I start thinking about it, and I go, man, my experience with Jacob has not been like that. Now, Jim, he, he prepared a lot. He was actually going to talk on Jacob, and, and I heard that he was going to talk on Jacob, and I thought, I'm just going to steal what he was going to say. So he doesn't, so next week he has to come up with something else. So no, no, he's, he'll probably still talk on Jacob. He'll do a way better job than me. But here's what happened with me with Jacob. When I, when I was just out of college, Jackie and I were doing an internship in Seattle with, at University of Washington, and we decided together that we would start reading Genesis together, because I hadn't read any of that, and Jackie had, and I really wanted to kind of gain some insight from her, and um, that, that was, the, that was the, the best way to go on dates with her at that time, and so we just wouldn't read Scripture together. No, it wasn't, I wasn't being manipulative or anything. We just read Scripture together, and, 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 uh, and as we're reading Genesis... We're reading through it all, and we get to the story of Jacob, and that was my first introduction to somebody that, was, that, was, that didn't make the right decisions very often or at all. So you had Abraham, and Abraham and Isaac, and Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob had these 12, guys, these 12, the 12 sons that became the 12 tribes of Israel that ultimately the line of Jesus came from. Okay, and so Jacob's right there in that line, and we get to Jacob. Isaac has Jacob. I mean, Isaac has Jacob, and then and and it's Jacob and Esau. They're twins. Okay, as I'm reading that, I'm going, "Oh my gosh, I can relate to this because I'm a twin too." And Jacob was the younger of the two of the twins, and so I can relate to that too because I was the younger of us as twins, and I can relate to that feeling of feeling a little inferior to my brother. People would look at him and say, "John is far more wise than you are," and I'm going, "Why? Because he's 13 minutes older. He's wiser than me." And so I started thinking, "So does that mean 13 minutes from now I'll be as wise as he is? But now he's 13 minutes wiser again, and I'll never catch." up to him. I know that feeling. And so I'm looking at Jacob and Jacob had that same thing. Jacob was the younger of the two guys, even though he was right on his tail. He was grabbed onto his foot when, when, when he was born. But he, always, he was always fighting for what Esau was going to be given. Esau was going to be given a birthright and Jacob was fighting for that birthright. Esau was going to be given the blessing from Isaac, which was a huge deal to be blessed by your father. Esau was going to be given that. Jacob was fighting for it. And Jacob spent a lot of his life trying to manipulate the situation to get those things that were going to Esau. And as I'm reading this with Jackie, I'm just going, Jacob, man, this guy was messed up. He's doing things that you're just going, that's just, that just isn't Right? Esau's out on, the, out on the farm and he's hunting and he's, and he's taking care of the crops and he comes in super hungry at night and, and, and Jacob makes this nice big meal and says, here, here's some food for you, but will you give me your birthright for this food? And he found him in a point of weakness and he says, yeah, okay, you can have it. I'm just really hungry. And so, so Jacob worked it, manipulated it to get what he wanted. At the end of Isaac's life, Isaac was blind and he was going to give his blessing to Esau. 
Jacob knows that. And so Jacob goes to Isaac and he, he knows that, that Isaac can identify Esau because of all the hair that Esau had. He was a hairy guy. So Jacob puts some, some animal skins on his, on his arm and he goes to Isaac and he's going, I want the blessing that he's about to give Esau. I think I can fool him and, and give, have him give the blessing to me. And this is what he says. It's kind of an odd, an odd part of the, of the story. He says, Isaac said to Jacob, come near me so that I can feel you, my son. If I can feel you, I will know you are really my son Esau. So Jacob went to Isaac, his father. Isaac felt him and said, your voice sounds like Jacob's voice, but your arms are hairy like the arms of Esau. Isaac didn't know what it was Jacob because his arms were hairy like Esau's. So Isaac blessed Jacob. Isaac said, are you really my son Esau? And G Jacob answered, yes, I am. Man, I remember reading that and being appalled. Appalled that Jacob would get any sort of blessing. Appalled that God would actually then use Jacob. Appalled that the, the line of Jesus would come out of that. I remember going to Denny Ryberg. He was our director of our college ministry at the time. And I remember sitting there with Denny and asking him, Denny, I don't get this. Why? Why would God bless Jacob? Why wouldn't he punish Jacob and still come back and bless Esau? Why wouldn't it all come through Esau? This doesn't make any sense. When you compare these two people, Jacob does not deserve it. Why would he bless him? And I remember to this day what Denny said to me that day. I remember he looked at me and he says, Bill, these are the moments in Scripture that you need to be the most thankful. And I said, why? And he said, because in God's economy and the way God works, he's not comparing one to the other. He's not looking at two people and saying, okay, you're doing it better. You deserve it. You're doing it worse. You deserve worse. He's not looking at two people and saying, saying, I'm going to bless you. I'm not going to bless you. He doesn't look at it the way we absolutely look at things. Instead, what he does is he looks at us and says, you are broken. I see that. But you are beloved by me. And I will bless you. I remember Denny looking at me and going, you got to be thankful for that. Because that's the way he's looking at you. You are broken. But you are beloved by me. And I'm going to bless you. But I don't deserve it. You're broken. But I love you. And I'm going to bless you. Denny said, let's look at some other people. Mary Magdalene was one of Jesus' closest friends. Mary Magdalene did some things that you should not do. But he looked at her and said, you're broken. But you are beloved by me. And I'm going to bless you. You look at those disciples, and Jesus looked at each one of them and said, you are broken, but you're beloved by me, and I'm going to bless you. That woman comes to the well, sits right down next to Jesus. She's had four or five husbands. She's just looking for some water, and Jesus looks at her and says, you're broken. I know that. I know that. I know your life. I know what you're hiding. You're broken. But I love you. 
and I'm going to bless you. And that's what he's saying to us. And when we're sitting in the midst of our brokenness and we're wallowing in that and we're wishing we were different and we're wondering why, if we, what we deserve and we're trying to stay as far away from God as possible because of it and we're ashamed and we're pulling back, he's saying, you are broken, but you are beloved and I'm gonna bless you. About a year ago, I told some of you this, if you guys were here, I came, in, I came up here one time and I told you guys that I went down to Colorado Springs and I, did a, um, and, and I had this exercise with these other pastors where uh, someone sent us out on this, this, out on this property and he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write a letter from God to you. I want you to write that letter. And I looked at him and I'm going, oh, I hate these corny things and I didn't want to do it at all. And, and, and so I went out there and I was going to mock it. I was going to grab a piece of paper and I'm going, okay, here, what, what am I going to say? How can I make this funny? You know? So I started writing, dear Bill. And then I didn't know what to write. I was trying to think, what could I write? And then I wrote, you are loved. You are loved. And then I started writing a little side note. Yeah, but God, you, you know, you know that I, that I, the things that I do, you know my selfishness. You know that I disengage when I need to engage. You know that I get frustrated at a guy because of his BO. You know that I, that I, that I get lazy you know that, I, that I'm, that I, that I'm a, a bad husband at times. You know that I'm a bad father at times. You know that I'm a bad pastor at times. You know there's times that, I, that I'll fall asleep reading scripture or I'll, I'll pray and then start just watching SportsCenter. You know that that's the, way, that's the way I operate. Bill, you are loved. Yeah, Bill, you are loved. And I kept writing that over and over again in tears, just going, why am I not letting that sink in that you are loved? I came back and I shared that with, with you guys one, one Sunday morning. And the number of people that walked up to me afterwards that said, oh my gosh, I feel the same way. It's hard for me to grab hold of the fact that God loves me. It's hard for, I hear that message all the time and I just won't let it sink in. I won't let myself be loved. I won't let myself. There's so many of us that carry that same story. And what God is saying is, man, I want you to step into this life of faith. And I want you to know the very first step is that you are loved. That's got to be your first step. That's what I'm hoping for you. See, we, we look at, at, at Hebrews chapter 11 and we look at the, the passage that says, you know, that, 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 um, that faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance of what we do not see. We see that and that's Jesus saying, put your weight down, put it down on me, on the person of Jesus. I am confident in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And he's saying, now, this is where it will stand secure. All the rest of this will be shaking sand, but right here is where it will stand secure. And this is where Jesus, when he gives us the parable, he says, a wise man builds his house on that rock. 
A, a, a foolish man will build his house on sand where it's, where it's just, it's just going to slide. A, a wise man will build his house on a rock. It will put his weight down on this truth of who Jesus Christ is in our life. And he says this. He says, a wise man will take my words and put them into practice. And that is that person that builds his house on the rock. Well, listen to his words. In John chapter 15, listen to his words. His words say, as the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. As the Father has loved me, I love you. Abide in my love. That word abide, it means continuing, enduring, awaiting, dwelling, and withstanding firm and immovable without yielding. That's abiding he's going, as my father loves me, I love you. Stand firm in that love. Put those words into practice first. Stand firm in my love. But we don't do that. We stand firm in our brokenness. We stand firm in our foolishness. We stand firm in our regrets. We stand firm in our yesterdays. And he knows that when we stand firm in those things, we will never step onto that rock because we will never trust ourselves to do it. And he's saying, love me. He's saying, know me. He's saying, abide in my love. Step onto that rock. Stand firm right there. It makes me wonder if, if the writer of Hebrews, when he jumps ahead to chapter 12, and I read this last week to you guys, in chapter 12, he says, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And I wonder when he says, throw off those things that hinder us, I wonder if what he's talking about are those times that we're just living in our brokenness and we're wallowing there and we are not taking on, we're not allowing ourselves to be loved. I wonder if that's what's hindering us. I wonder when you're sitting there and moms, you're comparing yourself to another mom and you're just going, I'm, I'm terrible at this and I don't deserve any blessing when it comes to my family because I'm terrible at this. I wonder if that's what's hindering us I wonder when you're sitting there so frustrated at your doubt, if that's what's hindering you. I wonder if you're, when you're sitting back and you're beating yourself up for being selfish, or you're beating yourself for not living up to the person you wanna be, I wonder if that's what he's talking about when he's saying, and that hinders us. That hinders us from running this race, from stepping into this faith. I wonder if that's what he's talking about. Because he then says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Fix your eyes on that love. Abide in that love. And that's where I want you to stand. And that's where faith can begin. That's your starting point. I wonder if he's looking at us and he's saying, there's sin that entangles us. 
But those things that hinder us might be the way we look at ourselves and that you need to allow yourself to be loved by God. Henry Nouwen is a, is a, a phenomenal writer and contemplative pastor, and he wrote this book called Life of the Beloved. And it's someone that I would recommend to anybody because it's one that, that kind of gets us back centered on something. And in there, he, he writes this little part that is truly a letter from the Lord to us. Let this sink into you today. He says, I've called you by name from the very beginning. You are mine and I am yours. You are my beloved. On you my favor rests. I have molded you in the depths of the earth and knitted you together in your mother's womb. I have carved you in the palm of my hands and hidden you in the shadow of my embrace. I look at you with infinite tenderness and care for you with a care more intimate than that of a mother for her child. I have counted every hair on your head and guided you on every step. Wherever you go, I go with you, and wherever you rest, I keep watch. I will give you food that will satisfy all your hunger and drink that will quench all your thirst. I will not hide my face from you. You know me as your own, and I know you as my own. You belong to me. I am your father. I am your mother, your brother, your sister, your lover, and your spouse. Yes, even your child. Wherever you are, I will be. Nothing will ever separate us. We are one. Build your house on the love of God. Let us stand on that rock and then see where your faith goes. When you're in that spiral of self-doubt and self-pity and self-hate, step in and abide someplace else. Abide in his love and see where that takes you next. Father, I pray that each one of us in our worlds and our lives where it's so easy for us to recognize where we mess up, so easy to recognize where we are, where our brokenness and so easy to recognize where we're just, we, we aren't meeting up to what we would like to meet up to. God, I pray that in those moments you grab hold of us and remind every one of us that we are beloved by you. God, you tell us in your word that we're your children. Help us to embrace that. Help us to feel your embrace of a loving father that loves his children. God, I pray that each one of us would use that as our starting point and that faith would move from there. It's in your name we pray, amen. Let's stand up and sing one more song together.